foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is the Move Your DNA podcast, a show where movement science meets your everyday life. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist, author, and occasional radio guest. All bodies are welcome here. Let's get moving. Hey friends, if you have been listening and following my work for a while now and want to share what you have learned with the ones you love, this is the podcast episode for you. Uh, I know such a big picture of movement can be tricky stuff to distill and explain to others. Maybe those asking why you're wearing funny shoes or how come you like to stand at meetings instead of sit or why are you sitting on the floor when you're hanging out instead of on the couch. So in this show, I'm sharing an interview I did on a local radio station this last spring. My interview was part of a series of interviews that our free healthcare clinic arranges to support the community's well-being. And the series is called Working on Wellness or WOW with an apostrophe. It's very cute. This episode turned out to be a great introduction for those interested in moving more and not only exercising more, and really like why movement matters. Thus, that friend or family member who wanted to know more about movement and your movement choices, you can share this episode with them. And now to the interview. And it is time for the Working on Wellness Radio Forum. It happens the second Wednesday of every month. And my guest today is Katie Bowman. Welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, I'm very interested in this in this subject because I hate to exercise, and I don't think I'm the only one. You are not. You are not the only one. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your work. I'm interested in knowing what a biomechanist is. Well, so biomechanics is the study that blends biology, the study of living things with mechanics. And mechanics is the study of how forces or motion 
influence matter. So when you put the two together, you get how forces and motion influence living matter. So in this case, we're talking about human bodies. So how how does motion and the forces that we experience just by being on the planet under gravity affect the physical outcomes that we experience? So um, your work revolves around the word movement, not exercise. What's the difference between exercise and movement? I know, you want to know. I do. Um, so, well, exor- so exercise is is what most people are familiar with. It is purposeful bouts of physical activity that we take specifically for improving our our well-being. And so there are clinical parameters that we would use to define what exercise is. And it would usually have to have a predetermined mode. You've picked what you want to do. It's a Zumba class. It's taking a walk. It's taking a bike ride. It's uh, swimming. You know, you, you've figured out what it is that you're going to do. And you've usually predetermined the duration, the length of time you're going to do it. I'm going to do it for 20 minutes. Or you could also uh, predetermine the length. I'm going to ride for five miles. You, you've sort of set these solid parameters. And then you usually um, are usually trying to do it to get yourself to a a certain level of physical exertion, right? You've predetermined that you want it to be moderately intense at least. And then the fourth qualifier is that you're doing it to improve some aspect of physical fitness. So when you have all those things together um, and then you get exercise and also exercise is usually done without getting anything else done. That's another sort of strange definition marker, but you're you're stepping away from other to-do list items specifically to get your exercise done during that period of time. Movement, on the other hand, is, is a much larger category, and that's simply anytime your body is changing position. So if you imagine a giant circle, and I would put movement, it fits into that circle. Exercise is a much smaller circle that sits within the movement circle because it has to have all these conditions put upon it. So our lives, human lives, have always been rich in movement. So if you think about our grandparents' generation, how much movement went into just taking care of their daily needs from procuring their food and doing laundry and, you know, maybe raising animals, certainly raising a, a garden. Transportation, you know, so much more transportation was done in a physical manner. And throughout the generations, if we think to our lives now and then our children's lives, what's happening is culturally we're seeing a reduction slowly of movement. And then there's been a spike with so many of the technological or smart technologies we have where like vacuuming can just be done by a robot now. Like we are living in the time of the Jetsons, like whether we know it or not. We've so we so what's happened is we've seen a reduction in movement, physically just changing the shape of our body to get things done. And that's actually where exercises come from, right? Exercise is not really a natural thing humans do. It's what we've come up with, sort of a vitamin mineral supplement idea of like, well, if my life doesn't contain the movement nutrients that I need, then I will supplement with a bout of exercise. So that's why they're different. And the reason I keep them separate is because, like you said, there's been billions of dollars spent on research and it's understanding its benefits on almost all diseases across the board, but people aren't taking it up. So I'm interested in that phenomenon. Why? Why aren't we taking it up when we know it's so good for us? And part of the reason I think is because one, it is such an unnatural thing to do and it does sit outside of our lives. We're, we're I, paradoxically um, not only a very sedentary culture, we're also a very busy culture. Like 
time is one of the reasons people will cite why they can't exercise. Not just they don't like it, but like I can't figure out where it goes. So I like to bring up, well, movement used to go everywhere. And so let me show you where you can put it into your life because you can increase your minutes of physical activity per day without necessarily having to take up more exercise. And the other reason I like to keep them separate is many people who do exercise, exercise is beneficial, but it's not usually enough. One, it's not enough movement because again, our bodies have evolved to using a lot of movement throughout the day. And just within a couple of generations, we've really seen you know, everything fall away as far as movement goes. Everything, I mean, even to unlock your doors is pushing a button. Everything is pushing and swiping. Um, and so we're in an unprecedented time where we have this tremendous biological need for movement and no more space in the day where it fits. And so for people who do exercise, they as well will still experience musculoskeletal issues or other signs of movement deficiency because while they are meeting their exercise requirement, they're not really meeting their movement requirement. They're not moving enough parts of their body throughout enough parts of their day. So both find it beneficial. Well, are are you talking about aerobic exercise versus like weights and that kind of thing? So I guess if we stick with the nutrition model, that's why I call um, our education company Nutritious Movement, because movement works very similarly in the body as dietary nutrition does. So in dietary nutrition, we have these categories. We have like, make sure that you have one, enough calories. That's the first nutrient need you have to meet. But you could eat adequate calories and still not be healthy from a diet from a dietitian's perspective. And they would start to look at, well, let's look at the nutrient profile of the calories you're eating. Okay, well, there's not the proper ratio for you of fats and proteins and carbohydrates, right? So now we have, it's not only that you need enough minutes of movement. Now we have these categories and the categories that we use in movement that are similar to the fat, protein, and carbohydrate uh, breakdown is aerobic exercise or cardiovascular exercise, strength training exercise, and flexibility exercise. So those are our movement nutrition categories. And then I would say that just as a dietary nutrition would say, you could even have the appropriate macronutrients, those three aforementioned categories, of fat, protein, and carbohydrates, but now there's vitamins and minerals that you need, that you could you could have a good ratio of the larger macronutrient and still be deficient in a particular vitamin or a particular um, mineral. And so you are often told to eat the rainbow for that reason, right? I'm not sure if you've ever heard that before, but if you have a beautiful uh, range of colors on your diet platter, if you will, or your dietary palate, you will be visually cluing into like, okay, here's all the things I need represented in this food. And in the same way, I really suggest that people move the rainbow. So thinking about cardiovascular exercise is certainly because cardiovascular disease is so prevalent in our particular culture, cardiovascular exercise has gotten the I guess the most airtime. <laughs> you know, it's it's what we really tend to focus on as the thing that we need. But one of the things I like to walk people through is why are you moving in the first place? Like when we think, when we separate exercise from the concept of movement and determine that what we need is to exercise versus what we need is to move, we forget that movement facilitates things, you know, that are the mundane tasks of putting a shirt on, you know, to have enough shoulder flexibility to reach behind you to get 
your uh, sleeves on um, or to be able to bend over to pick something up, to put on shoes and tie them or to take care of your feet, um, the strength to walk, the balance to be able to walk. Like the, at the end of the day or, or more as we move progressively through life, these are the motions that we depend on most to maintain the activities of daily living, but more importantly, to set up your best day. You know, like they're often physical, but they're not necessarily requiring that you do a large bout of exercise. So uh, according to guidelines from the U.S. Department of Health for general health, adults should aim for 150 to 300 minutes of physical activity per week. Does it matter if I walk or cycle or swim what, or, or take an, an exercise class? So those guidelines are really about that cardiovascular benefit that I talked about before. Those guidelines are really wanting you to get a moderate to vigorous bout of movement um, for those number of minutes per week. And it really doesn't matter the mode in which you do it. You know, if stressing your heart and lungs to the point that you're taking them through their ranges of motion is... Uh, shown to have great, tremendous benefit to our to our health and really to reduce the disease markers for cardiovascular disease. So in that way, it doesn't matter what you pick. Pick what you love to do because you'll meet that guideline. But also, there's other reasons that we move. So you've met sort of one category of movement nutrition by approaching it that way. The other way is to think about the number of joints that you have in your body. Now, you don't have to be an anatomist, but to know like, okay, my fingers all move, my wrists move, my elbows, my shoulders. You can think about all of your moving parts. Every one of those moving parts needs to be moved in order to maintain its ability to move. And so the nice thing about a thinking about a movement diet would be to look at the modes that you take for exercise when you are exercising, or really their physical activity guidelines. So They have found and done great work on studies that show gardening is a great way to get those those minutes of physical activity. If you have a job that's particularly labor intensive, like if you're picking up things and moving things, if you're walking a lot of steps per day, you could be meeting a lot of those guidelines. That's not exercise. That would be a category of movement that's called physical activity, um, of which exercise is a type of physical activity but you might be missing movement of certain parts. So let's say your favorite exercise is cycling and you always get the recommended guidelines of exercise, but your mode is cycling. You cycle three times or four times a week, you go miles and hours and that's great. You've met one requirement, but your shoulders have a different experience of movement than let's say your knees and hips do. Your bones have a different experience of cycling as they do, say, if you were to walk the same amount that you cycled. So you want to make sure that your movement diet, in this case, we're talking about what should I do with my exercise minutes, is distributed well throughout your body. If you sit all day in a chair at work, and then your mode of exercise looks a lot like sitting in a chair, say on a a cycle, maybe you want to pick a different mode one or two days a week so that you end up moving more parts of you, which is the other way. We're so used to thinking about movement as a whole body thing. We forget that, yes, you need to move as a whole person, but so do each of your parts. Well, I want to let our listeners know that I'm sitting and Katie is standing as we're doing this interview. And I, I need to tell you, Katie, there's, there's a gentleman that I see all over town. He's a race walker. And I'm a little interested in what you think about race walking as movement as, as just regular, just strolling along. 
I think race walking is great. I think regular walking is also great. Um, they're just different. They're a different food. So again, I, th I think what people tend to ask me a lot is, okay, just tell me the what's the one exercise I should be doing? Sort of in the same way that you would ask a dietitian. Just tell me, like, what's the best food or best meal? And we just don't eat like that, and we don't move like that either. But I'm a big walker. So if you imagine a food pyramid, is everyone familiar with the dietary food pyramid? On the bottom, you know, it's got the things that you need the most of. And at the top, it's what you've got. You just need a dab of now, every now and then. Walking is really the base of our food pyramid. Um, so it's interesting to talk about walking for fitness because I do think that many people think of walking as something that isn't exercise, right? Like it's not hard enough or in some way. So and in some ways, that's true. So if we were to go back to those guidelines, those minutes that you're suggested to per week are meant to be moderately vigorous. And you would, the way that you would figure that out is not necessarily by rate of walking, because we're all coming to movement at different stages. Um, and so for someone who is already pretty cardiovascularly fit, might still find walking to be challenging, but maybe not in a way that would bring your heart rate up. It might challenge your bones or your leg muscles or your hip joints a little bit more than some of your other modes of activity. So there is a, a frequency or a rate that you personally need to walk in order to meet the moderate guidelines. And one of the suggestions that I have is actually to use music, to do that, to use beats per minute of music. And so many um, music apps now have the ability to sort music by BPMs or beats per minute. So you want to find the beats per minute that just challenges, gets you to huff and puff. That's probably where you want to be walking if you want those minutes to count towards heart movement. If you want them to count towards arm and leg swinging and just weight bearing on your bones and balance and it doesn't matter the rate at which you're going. But race walking is is a great way to it's a inexpensive. It can often be used as transportation and therefore more likely for you to do it more often or for more steps per day if it has a purpose, you know, you're not just taking a walk for your well-being, you know, you're also taking something to the post office or picking something up. But for those who want to walk harder without walking faster because maybe there's an ability issue or a joint problem that you're dealing with is to look for hills, slight hills or carry something, something that adds just a little bit of weight because you'll find that your heart rate can get up that way without necessarily having to go faster. Okay. And Katie, tell us a little bit about stretching. Well, stretching is one of my passions because I think that, like I said, cardiovascular exercise gets all the love and, and the mobility part, that's, those are those, um, Stretching exercises are exercises meant to maintain or improve our joint ranges of motion to stretch our muscles and other connective tissue. They're sort of done as like a cool down, if they're done at all, if they're done at all. So I do like to point out that they might be more foundational than people realize. And, and because they are what I call lower profile you know if you're sitting all day at a desk and you know people are often asking me like how can I move more I have to sit here all day it's like you can often do light stretches of your hands of your neck and shoulders while you're otherwise in place in front of your desk because not everything that we do at a desk requires you know hands on a keyboard or eyes fixed on something you often have time to stand up and bend over and touch your toes or use your chair even to go around to the back of it and stretch your shoulders so I think it needs to be brought up to at least a third 
equally weighted between the other two categories. That's why we have three. That's why we have strength training, and that's why we have stretching. Um, the thing, though, is, is important to remember is those categories that we have is really for research you know, clinical to be able to break down and pull out an element. But a lot of the movements that we do have not only cardiovascular, but also stretching and strength training put into them all at the same time. So the more you can find a type of movement that contains all of those macronutrients, the more nutrient dense it is. It's just like finding a food or a meal that makes that serves a lot of purposes for the same number of calories. Like that's what we're trying to do. Only we're, calories are minutes in this case. Well, let me ask you this. As we age, we find the aged <laughs> that it's harder and harder to get up off the floor. Right. So, so what do you suggest for movement to strengthen a lower body to be able to get down on the floor and be able to get up without having to get on knees and then get up? Right getting on the floor multiple times a day. Every and that's going to do it. That I mean, yes, you're not you're not losing you're not losing the ability because you've gotten older as much as you're losing the ability because you're out of the habit. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to break the part the difference between how how old you are and how many years you've had a habit. And frankly, people just stop getting on the floor. Um, and one and and so think about how how I was I'm thinking about my grandmother mopping and cleaning um, and how that was an exercise program sort of right that that was a that was a program that maintained her strength and joint mobility but when you have the special mop or when you have a robot mop I'm sure they don't have those yet but you know what I mean like you end up losing you've, you've gotten rid of where in your life your joints would have been maintained more naturally and yes it's more work that's the trade-off is it's physically it's physical exertion but but for anyone who's exercised, you know that that's, that's the unpleasant part of, of maintaining your physicality is to go through the training period or those minutes or, um, you know, an hour or two per day where you are working hard with your, with your body. So we need to get rid of our mops and get down on the floor. Well, you don't need to get rid of your mops. But no, so like, how about this? If you're going to watch TV at the end of the day, yeah. it's actually a tip in my book for dynamic aging is to at least one or two nights per week, set up a, a chair in front of your chair that's made out of pillows or blankets that's significantly lower than your chair and sit on that while you're doing your evening relaxation. And because that's the same as going to a stretching class. You know, like you don't not not everything has to look like exercise time. You're just watching TV at the end of the night. You're watching the news. You're whatever you're doing at the evening in your chair. You could almost as always as easily do it a little bit closer to the floor and get the physical benefit as you would if you were doing a stretch and a strengthening exercise to preserve leg strength. So just move more. Yeah, the word just is there because it's simple. But it's not easy. It's simple an idea, but it is not easy to overcome our own inertia of the, of the way that we sort of move our body all the time. Right. So uh, tell us what it means to move more. Well, so move more could be moving your whole body more often, but it really, at, at this point in our sedentary lifestyles, can also mean move more of your joints And then once you're able to move more of your joints, then move more often, moving more of your joints for an exponential increase in how how you're distributing motion throughout your body from head to toe. 
So what kind of stretching would you suggest if you're trying to move more and um, you're going to be walking more, you're going to be parking farther away from the grocery store and walking to the grocery store, which I try to do, but when it's raining, I don't always do that. And then uh, getting outside and walking in bad weather is another thing that stops people. So um, when weather is bad, what do you suggest? Gear, better gear. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I suggest better gear. I mean, because at the end of the day, they say there is no bad weather. There's only poor gear. Um, and, And because, you know, people have been moving in all weather throughout the human timeline. We're the first group that hasn't really. So there is, there are solutions here and get a buddy, get get someone who wants to tackle this with you. And that will, that will make it a lot more fun because now it's friend time right now. Right. Now it's more than just dreaded exercise. Time. Or get a dog. Yeah. That's a friend. <laughs> that's a friend. So cities are often ranked by how they promote movement. How does squim rank? Well, so walkability is is a ranking that is used. um, And so there's a couple of ways to interpret walkability. One would be, what are the green spaces that that we have? Or what what are the places that we have to be able to take a walk in? And in that way, we're phenomenal. I mean, we have the Olympic Discovery Trail, um, Clallam County Parks. We've got Carrie Blake and Robin Hill. And these um, offer, and we've got the wilderness, the forest. That's all very close and so that offers different levels of walking like you've got hiking which is a little bit more complex in terrain Um, and then but we've also got really paved accessible trails here that are well lit and that work in all weather you know like they're not slippery they're safe to walk in Um, they're well populated safety is another issue not just physical safety but uh, being well lit or you know being in a place where other you're highly visible so really well in terms of leisure walking the other way walkability rankings are used, it has more to do with city design, and that has more to do with from your home, how easy is it to meet your essential needs on foot? So that would be, can you get to grocery stores, the bank, the library, um, pharmacy on foot or on bike also too, or or even wheelchair? So like, so poor walkability would be where a bus stop doesn't necessarily take you to the grocery store, but you have to like maybe cross a highway or walk for a long period of time. So I see quite a few uh, wheelchairs along 101, the highway here, and also on some of the rural streets. And that lets me know that there are some issues with people and where they live and their ability to access being able to transport without a car in a safe manner. But that being said, Squim itself within the city limits it's not very long just to go down our main street here is not even three miles. Um, so to go from Walmart to black bear diner is, is under three. So the fact that you can have your grocery stores and the farmer's market and the library and your banks and your churches and everything in a way that you could, if you're living, you know, within the downtown area, there's great, um, well-lit paths and and clear sidewalks and there's also benches another interesting paradoxically um component of walkability is is there a place to sit down you know when you're on a stretch so that you can rest and so i I think that we're actually doing really well the flip side or the the balance to walkability is how walking able are we and so that's really what i spent a lot of my time doing is teaching people specifically the stretches and the strengthening and the walking protocols 
to restore when, you know, if you're hearing this and going, oh, it's only one and a half miles to go from Walmart to Squim Avenue, but I can't walk a one and a half miles because of my knee or my hip, that you really want to direct your exercise choices to restoring or repairing that situation to figure it out to figure out what it is mechanically so that you can restore or regenerate that ability so that you can do more self-powered physical experiences like that's the balance to walkability okay well let's talk about the bones in your feet let's talk about feet oh the feet are magnificent 25 percent of the number of bones in your body are from your ankle down. That's a quarter, that's a lot. And not not only do you possess so much anatomy in your feet, I mean, it's not mass, right? Because they're such a small piece, but as far as um, articulating so well, if you look at your hands, you know, if you spread your fingers away from each other, your feet really come with similar capability to your hands. But what we do with our feet, really from very early age, one or even less is, put them in boxes, tight boxes. And and so they don't maintain the strength or the dexterity that our hands are able to do in the world. So we've got this problem of having very weak, under-moved feet, a body part that all of our other body parts stack on top of. So our foundations have received very little movement, relatively speaking, to all the other parts of our body, and they're asked to do the most. So the reason I focus on them, I've written two different books just about feet, is one in four women, the statistics are a little bit lower for men, but both increase with age, have foot pain, one spot, usually in a single foot, that makes it so they can't move the rest of their body. So like if you ask a lot of people, why aren't they exercising or simply why aren't they more physically active? Why has their physical activity gone down? Why aren't they moving enough to the day? They'll say, I can't put any weight on my foot. So almost all of the motions that we do, all of the movements that we do pass through the foot. And so it's a, it's a, it's a big deal to continue to neglect it, the strength of our feet and the mobility of our feet. So how do you keep your feet flexible and and uh, how do you exercise your feet? Right, right. So exactly. Like that's that's the question is how do you exercise your feet? Because I thought they were. They were on the bike ride with me. They were on the <laughs> walk to the store with me. And they're, they're not really because of how they're usually pushed together by a shoe, right? If you think about even when you ask people about their feet, they're like, well, don't I need shoes to hold the arch of my foot up? In which I'll say that there is no arch there is no arch structure in the foot. There, there is no, if you dissected the foot, there's no piece of anatomy that makes the arch. The arch is created by all of the muscles contracting in a particular way. It's a strength. And so a lot of it is everything's covered in hard surfaces now. And, and so we protect our feet, uh, but our shoes have gotten like thicker over time. And also they're on high heels oftentimes where the heels elevated above the toes, sort of like on this perpetual we've been walking downhill since since birth you know we don't know why so then we have very stiff ankles and um the way that you exercise your feet is by doing stretches and exercises specifically for them so i'll give the listeners one now so if you just look down at your hands and you spread your fingers away from each other that motion is called abduction abduction like you're taking and stealing something away abduction your toes should be able to do that too so you need to take your shoes off because a lot of times if you um 
this is another exercise to do. If you stand on a piece of paper and trace your bare foot, have someone do it for you if you don't want to bend all the way down there, and then um, you take your shoe and put it on top of that picture, you'll often see that your shoe is more narrow than your foot is wide. So we've got the sides of our shoes sort of pushing our toes together all of the time. So in the same way, if anyone's ever broken their arm or had to be in a cast, um, you know, if you have something, a sling or a cast holding you, it's very hard after six weeks or 12 weeks, however long you've been in a cast, to put the arm back down, right? Things have atrophied and adjusted to that position and our toes have atrophied the muscles have and and they're not used to spreading away especially if you get up and put your shoes on first thing in the morning so one thing you could do is kick off your shoes you can leave your socks on if you'd like clean the area that you're going to do this on because one of the reasons especially as we get older shoes are recommended to be worn is because there can be a lot of neuropathy where you can't feel what you're stepping on so you don't want to step on anything sharp so, you know, create a little area, put down a towel, set your feet down on it, and try to stretch the toes away from each other physically, like using your muscles to be able to do that. Um, if that doesn't work and you can reach your feet, cross one foot over, use your hands to stretch your toes away from each other. Um, you can also use, um, if you've ever had a pedicure, they use these foam things that go between the toes. You can pick them up for 50 cents or 99 cents at a drugstore. Slide those between your toes and let those stretch your toes and wear them for 15 or 20 minutes and then try your stretches again. Um, and then another one to do is when you're standing, again in your bare feet, to see if you can lift only your big toes. Usually all the toes will want to lift together, right? Because we're not It'd be like trying to lift your thumb and having all your fingers come up all the time. We've lost the dexterity and the precision with which we move your feet. So you're gonna strengthen just the muscles that live, lift your big toe, which is the largest um, intrinsic muscle within the foot and is really there, um, helps you with balance. So if you're experiencing issues with balance, think about your feet and then your feet are there you want a wider base of support so what we tend to do is stand with our feet wider and start turning our feet out because we're not able to spread the toes away from each other so yeah practice practice moving your toes and you can do it in your shoes but if your shoes are the problem then then you're gonna have to take your shoes off to give your feet a little love okay so katie you've written nine books and they're in more than a dozen languages. So can you tell our lit listeners how they can uh, find your books and where they can find them? And you also have an exercise class that is, uh, or no, a movement class. It's an exercise class. <laughs> You've decided to come. It's one hour long. We know what we're working on to improve our well-being. But it's an exercise class geared to help you move more when you're not in it, as opposed to a check-the-box kind of exercise class. Okay. So tell, tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, you can find my books anywhere that you can find books, bookstores, um, online, um, Amazon, library. Our library here carries all of them. Thank you very much to the library. You can find them in an ebook format. So you can find them for your Kindle. You can listen to a lot of them. There's audiobooks for those who like it. Give our listeners some of the titles that they can be looking for. Oh, good. Dynamic Aging. Dynamic Aging is one of um, the more popular ones. Um, as far as foot, Simple Steps to Foot Pain Relief is a very great 
It's a good book to start with. I have books for families um, who are trying to figure out moving more with kids or grandkids, and that's called Grow Wild. Um, the most popular book is Move Your DNA, which explains more the science of why movement trickles down all the way to our cells. It's not really, it's, it's simultaneously something our whole body is doing as well as it's the benefits are on the cellular level. Um, yeah, so those are good books to start with. And um, tell us a little bit about your exercise class and where to find it. So the Nutritious Movement, Nutritious Movement is a, you know, an, a global brand, but we have a center here. The only center is here in Squim. It's across the street from uh, downtown Squim City Center. You might have seen it. Um, we have had limited classes just due to the pandemic, but we're slowly putting them back onto the schedule. So you can find you can find everything through the, the Nutritious Movement website. Um, and then the website for just the studio is NM, Nutritious Movement, NM Center NW Northwest. So NM Center NW is um, where you can find the class schedule. You can also find it um, on the main nutritiousmovement.com under events. That will show you which classes, which days. And we have a handful of teachers here. And I always teach a an outdoor class. I've been teaching out an outdoor class once a week for the community. It's actually free for the community to come. Um, and you can find out information about that. It's been um, held out in the barn that used to be behind Nash's. And then in the summertime, we hold it at Jardin du Soleil. And so you can go out to the lavender farm and take care of your feet, learn some foot exercises. And we really focus on lower back seems to be really common. So we use gentle corrective exercises so you learn how your body moves so that you can move it better all the time. Katie, thank you so much for coming in. I've learned a lot. I'm very excited to get onto your website and see where you are. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Come back. I will. All right. Hello, my name is Maria Antonescu from Duluth, Minnesota. This has been Move Your DNA with Katie Bowman, a podcast about movement. Hopefully, you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such. Our theme music was performed by Dan McCormack. This podcast is produced by Brock Armstrong. The transcripts are done by Annette Yen. Find out more about Katie, her books, and her movement programs at nutritiousmovement.com.